Hey, all right. And welcome to Better Yet. I'm Tim Crisp. I'm the host of this show. Better Yet is a conversation that started in 2016. And now, for the first time since 2017, I lied to you, Evan. I've done this before. (laughs) For the first time since 2017, my guest this week is sitting right here with me, at least virtually. Evan Bernard is on the show. Hi, Evan. Hello. Well, I waved, but I realized that it's we're not recording the video, so nobody saw me wave. The classic podcast guest move of acknowledging that this is an audio program. Every one of you, you come onto these podcasts and you say, oh, for the folks at home, this is an audio show. We know it's an audio show. Hey, man, I had my own podcast. I should know better than most. You did have your own podcast, the Super Weeks podcast. Yep, Super Week, Super Weekly, Supercast. <laughs> now, Evan, I'm happy to say that I had a late afternoon cup of Dagger Mountain coffee so that I could be sharp for this meeting. And it's really a blessing, Evan, that my favorite coffee roaster in these United States is right here in Valparaiso, Indiana. Exquisite coffee. I think everyone listening should uh, check them out on Instagram at DaggerMTN, Dagger Mountain dot com pick up a fresh bag of coffee from the homies at dagger mountain coffee in valparaiso evan mm. you know me i gotta have my coffee i know i love me a cup wish that i drank one i was thinking at about three o'clock oh i should probably go have a cup of coffee and then i proceeded to continue down my mix hole and was mixing a record until about 7.55 when I was like, oh, shit, it's time to do an interview. Where's my microphone? (laughs) And that's what I was scrambling to do. (laughs) Now, Evan, better yet listeners, will certainly recall your engineering work with Soul Glow, The Exquisites, no thank you. You also play the bass in No Thank You. You also play the bass guitar in Dryer, but more on that at a later date. Mm-hmm. You you're busy. You're playing guitar in Slow Mass. Mm-hmm. And, you know, certainly better yet listeners would be familiar with your work outside of past guests of this podcast. You made that freaking record with Joyce Manor. Mm-hmm. Mannequin Pussy. Mm-hmm. The Spirit of the Beehive records that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. I, I like that, them all. That, that me. I, yeah, Evan likes them all. He certainly did. Wish that I got to record some of the more recent ones because damn, they're good. But, you know, I had my time and place and that was nice. Of course, they've heard your band, The Super Weeks. Of The Super Weeks, Super Weekly, Super Happy Podcast Hour. <laughs> You guys released two LPs on Lamo Records. Mm-hmm. Y'all did a split with Thin Lips and a band called Modern Baseball. Mm-hmm. Did you tour with them too? Oh yeah, we went to Europe with Modern Baseball on the tour that Bren kind of left the band and didn't make it over to Europe. And a bunch of people had to fill in singing and playing guitar for them. And uh, yeah, kind of the last hurrah of modern baseball we were on that tour which was pretty cool it was definitely a bummer but all those folks are my 
good pals. Um, you know, shout out Jake just had a baby whose name I don't know yet because Ian keeps telling me the baby's name is Loser because <laughs> they made a bet that if the Eagles lose the Super Bowl, they have to name their baby Loser. So I don't know what the baby's real name is yet. Um, so that's Loser what's Ewald going on. Has a wonderful <laughs> ring to it. <laughs> I don't can't imagine they actually went with that because that's a little uh zany. But um yeah, that's I don't know. Those are those are good buds. Love them. Slaughter Beach Dog. Love Ian. Was mixing a song actually that Ian played bass on today. Uh working in a studio with him's great. I love him. I love the Mobo cats. I love Thin Lips. Now our website, Evan, com. Mm-hmm. It's it's still the Squarespace website that I you know got when I was starting the podcast off. I should really you know work on starting to build my own as a full stack developer. I think that that's obviously going to happen one of these days. But for now, we still got some cool stuff over there. Better at pod dot com, and we'll have plenty of reasons to remind folks throughout this episode of the podcast and why they should be heading over there to betteryatpod dot com. Mm-hmm. I got one more plug, Evan. I appreciate you being here for oh, this. I'm here to plug everything in. Oh well, then you're gonna be so happy to hear about what we going on, what we got going on over on YouTube. Mm. YouTube.com/slash at Pod. You gotta subscribe to our YouTube channel, Evan. You got clips from my interview with Steve Albini. You want seven minutes on Steve Albini talking about recording Nirvana's in utero? Is that relevant to your interests? Yeah, those sound pretty relevant to my interests. You know, when they went to Pachyderm. Mm. Um, you know, he also made Surfer Rosa by the Pixies. Just talking about that. And this, we got this Jason Molina video. It's got 3,500 views already just after three weeks. Oh, wow. You've got a close relationship with uh, Jason Molina. Right in the Super Weeks record a Jason Molina cover. We did indeed, and uh, Mike Brenner, who was the slide guitar player in Magnolia Electric Company and Songs of Haya, mm. uh, is a good bud of mine. He lives out in Philly, records on a bunch of records. Max uh, Stern's records. Mm-hmm. Uh, great guy. Plays in a ba- I play in a band with my friend Noah, Noah Roth, uh, Chicago, Chicago boy. Chicago, Noah. Great record. Last year that you also produced mm-hmm. and uh yeah mike plays with us when we play live sometimes and it's i literally fuck up playing my bass parts because i'm just like listening to that dude rip and i'm just like <laughs> oh my god are you fucking kidding me how good this guy is we're gonna link that cover over on betteryetpod.com because i think it's something that us folks outside of philly might not even know exists at least i didn't know existed until last year but more on that in a minute yeah man frank quinlan from uh Hopalong did the vocals on it too pretty right. cool song pretty cool frank kind of has a voice that sounds a little bit like scout niblet so uh i don't know it's a really awesome cover I'm, i hope you all enjoy it mm-hmm. blues mm-hmm now, again, and just real quick over at betteryetpod.com, we got 
Oh, there's stuff there too. Numbers are a little low on these Patrick Kinlan videos. So everyone needs to go watch those videos. I put my reputation on the line there. Say, nice. Pat, I'll put you on YouTube. I'll make you famous. I'll make you a big star. Now, speaking of reputations, Evan, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've, we've never met in person. No, I don't think we have. I was going to try to come visit you on my RV trip, um, but then we... Uh, you know, had a rough start to the day in Indiana. I had to bring it into the shop and then uh had to head on over to Chicago for Jill's graduation. Mm-hmm. And uh we made it there and then, you know, made it almost home and then our RV blew up and uh It blew up. Yep. Caught on fire, burned down. I'll send you the videos. You can put them on the YouTube channel. Oh my <laughs> god. Add very Pie on YouTube. <laughs> well, you you certainly had quite the second half of 2022, but you and I, we did a coding boot camp together. You, me, and Dave, your mm-hmm. bandmate in mm-hmm. Slow Mass. Y'all convinced Indeed. me to, re- to do this General Assembly software engineering immersive remote so we spent 12 weeks together learning object-oriented programming using javascript mvc architecture we built some web applications together indeed we did dude that was i mean seriously boot camp it was fucking intense three month experience of getting to know you my dude Mm mm-hmm it was cool. I mean, I I look back on that time fondly. Um, Same. I don't really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so freaking burnt out, man, from coding. Like I spent the entire last month just, you know, I put everything down and just tap, tap, tapped on my keyboard. You know, mm-hmm. got my reps in. Uh, I really like working in Python and Flask. And spent, you know, a lot of time just, like, making apps with React, Python, Flask. And uh, was getting myself ready for this J.P. Morgan and Chase uh, hackathon that I was part of. I was going to ask you. And, uh, oh, boy, let me tell you, Murphy's Law is real. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Uh and you know didn't get the job at the end of it which is whatever but boy oh boy my skills are fresh as hell right now fuck yeah my dude however my computer uh, doesn't seem to want to allow me to access any sort of MySQL database at the moment. I don't know what I did, but I kind of might have locked myself out and locked something on my computer and found out way too late in the hackathon that that's what happened. But uh, <laughs> all's well. I'm taking the month off of coding right now because I just did a, you know, a literal boot camp of a month of coding. Kind of yeah. the say in the spirit of our GA boot camp. Just get up. You know, get my cup of coffee going, log in, open up my VS Code, just make an app, and, you know, once it's time to, I would say, go home, but I'm in my bedroom, so once it's, you know, dinner time, I just kind of get up and 
go make dinner. <laughs> and uh, that's what I did for a month. So I'm freaking coded out. <laughs> it's kind of a, I mean, you did that the week the Provide For Me record came out. It, I right? did indeed. I mean, it probably made those like days after putting out a record a lot easier if you're wholly putting yourself <laughs> into coding. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, spent three weeks coding before that, put out my record, put out mm. that music video, you know, didn't even get to stalk my Instagram or any of that stuff, like see how it's doing, look at my numbers or whatever, uh, because I was just busy preparing for that coding challenge. Then, of course, the weekend after that, I was just like, all right. Let me go see what's going on. Start to make videos explaining how I got some of the tones on the record. And, um, you know, a couple of people asked me about some of them and want to see some of the weird gear that I used, which I am a freaking gearhead. So I'm I'm down. Like, let's get in. I'll show you all sorts of wacky stuff because I just love those are my toys. I, <laughs> I love just love that. them. I love that. I do have one more thing to plug here. Evan, I, I saved the reveal, and that's my most recent development project, Riffin.io. Evan, you've oh, checked nice. out Riffin. Mm-hmm. Now, you you remember how freaking good Ryan was during oh, that yeah. cohort? Oh, my God, that superstar. He picked me and Dave up in July and was like, guys, I think I want to do this thing. Help me out. Fucking, I learned so much working on that project with him. He was... Just such a goddamn good developer. Dave's a front-end master. It's kind of where I got, like, my confidence up. I've been doing the leak code problems, and I don't know. thing is, you can build an app. For me, APIs are tough. It's tough to, like, get everything connected and right. I'm always nervous, but I love doing those leak code problems and working with Ryan and Dave after I'd been like spending a lot of time drilling was really, really helpful because we did a lot of pair programming and shit. I think that app turned out pretty good too. That's a good editor we got. I think it came out pretty well. I also got to say that I I think you're a pretty darn good coder. I think you, uh, I don't know. I learned a lot from you when we were getting together, going through a lot of that leak code stuff. I feel like your brain kind of, you made sure to really understand, you know, how how it all works. And I feel like in the boot camp, you know, we did we had time to learn it and digest a small amount of it, but I think out of all the people I know that, you know, went through it, you definitely kind of really dug into it and digested it and every time we would code together, I'm just like, man, Tim is just carrying my ass right now. Like, oh man, let's get out of here with. <laughs> no, that. seriously, man. Every time, like when I was up in New York, and then I got COVID, <laughs> then I had to leave New York. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, when we were coding together, mm-hmm. and I was in the hotel room, and I was just like, "Tim is fucking good, man. This is really, Gosh, really shit. cool." Uh, <laughs> so, if you are trying to hire people, people hire Tim before you hire me, because Tim's good. <laughs> I'm fine. Should hire Tim both is, of us. Tim it, is real good. Well, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Again, Evan and I have never met. We were working together intensively for three months straight. 
mm-hmm. and we learned that not only are we both from the same part of New Jersey, but we were both born at Overlook Hospital in Summit, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Yes, same indeed. time of year, too. You're a Capricorn. I'm a Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fucking I... wild. I'm right on that cusp, you know, December 22nd. Oh, uh, yeah. So I got oh, some, yeah. some cap tendencies, if you will, but... Or rather, I got some Sag tendencies, but I'm, as far as everyone who's into astrology and stuff tells me, I'm pretty uh, through-line Capricorn. The idea that you and Jason Clackley were working together making a record just blows my mind, because I love Jason so much, and I feel like he's the Sagittarius that's just like in between you and me. He's perfect. He's great. I love that man very much. Um, man, met him when uh, Exquisites were touring with Joyce Manor. I was doing merch for Joyce Manor, and uh, Jason Brownstein, who plays in the band Joyride and among mm-hmm. other projects, Jason had to leave the tour in the middle of it, and Jason Clackley was like, hey, you want to fill in on guitar? And I was like, okay. <laughs> and we were in Philly. We had a day off. We had a band practice at... The warehouse, I played Union Transfer that night and, uh, you know, started traveling with Cal Tung and Jason and everyone who was part of that crew and the little Subaru. And it was really killer and got to go out and record an album with them in Seattle and, you know, engineer it. Um, I guess produce a little bit of it. They ended up mixing it with Jack Shirley, all analog because Jason's a wild man. <laughs> and uh that you know came out real cool and i called him in the beginning of the pandemic and he gave me a recipe for what is it called a loco moco moco loco which which is the order <laughs> loco moco i'm googling here you yeah, google that Loco-moco. and i'm gonna i'm gonna use this as an excuse to talk about the first time that i listened to home by the exquisites which was when I was driving from Newark to Allentown to see my grandparents. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I was like, man, this is, this is hitting. This is hitting deep. So we've got a playlist over on betteryetpod.com. It's called Greetings from Summit, New Jersey. It's got Evan's Provide From Me record. And it's got this episode of the podcast and most importantly it's got my fuel recording kit by tim crisp 2023 it's the year of overlook hospital baby (laughs) evan b and timmy c coming correct (laughs) now evan we're 20 minutes in i can finally ask you the first question that i ask everyone Mm. where'd you grow up berkeley heights new jersey berkeley Um, heights and i was thinking bridgewater but all right berkeley heights i mean it's from berkeley heights my Parents are from North Plain, or no, they're from Scotch Plains. Yeah, I mean, Berkeley Heights, you know, you you take one one road, you go down Bonnie Burn, and you get to Scotch Plains, and then, you know, it's a hop, skip, and a jump on 78 over to Bridgewater, and, you know, it's all, it's all close by. Yeah. Summit, you know, two towns away. I mean, that's, I spent a lot of, you know, I, I look back fondly on growing up there, um, I love New Jersey. I'm from New Jersey. 
Uh, my license still says I'm from New Jersey, even though I haven't lived there in 18 years, <laughs> uh, which is fine because I guess, you know, I always told myself I would never get a tattoo with any like borders or logos on it. My brother proudly displayed a New Jersey state uh, tattoo on his arm, and I don't think I display it on my arm. I think I display it in my wallet with my ID because I just can't seem to give it up. Dude, it's you, you can't escape, too. I'm, I'm living out here, and fucking, you know, the thing that influences me to do this podcast is Dave Garwacky's If You Make It. Dave's mm-hmm. from Branchburg. Eric Osman, Lamo Records, is from Branchburg. Mm-hmm. Fucking... I think he's from Bridgewater, actually. Maybe that's well, he where you from, had Bridgewater. Well, he he was like he was like I worked at the Branchburg mm-hmm. Starbucks, and I it's was all like, right oh, there. No. It's I mean, New Jersey's not a very big state. Like we're talking, every town I've mentioned is like a fifteen-minute drive from where I grew up. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was out there in the boonies. I would have had to go to Somerville High School. I was in nishanic station which is a part of branchburg small Mm -hmm. town and small town are your folks still out there my folks uh live in a town called tewksbury Mm -hmm. or califon which is like a tiny municipality or something in tewksbury it's like a mile and then it's burrow it's like wild uh it's really cute and in the middle of nowhere and you have to drive like uh 15 minutes off the highway to like get to their house and it's cool. Uh exit twenty four off seventy eight, you know. That's where mm-hmm. that's where I'm I'm ripping. Uh if I'm not mistaken, the branch bird I don't know. Actually, you wouldn't take seventy eight. You would get on two seventy. We're like two oh two, two oh six. Two eighty seven, yeah, two oh six. Mm-hmm. Talking so, highways, you know, that's how you know we're in New Jersey. Was there music in the house when you were growing up? Oh, yeah. My dad listened to so much Grateful Dead and the Led Zeppelin. Fuck yes. The Led Zeppelin. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, my mom listened to a lot of Pink Floyd, and then they would, you know, listen to the uh, music du jour, if you will, what was on the radio at the time. I would discover mm-hmm. uh, years later in my dad's cassette collection. Yeah. Uh-huh. He would have, you know, pavement on cassette, and I'd be like, whoa. Oh, shit. I okay. take you for a pavement guy. Yeah. Where's he but, getting that stuff? I don't know. I've never yeah. seen him listen to payment one time. <laughs> He's like classic rock through and through. Used to follow the dead on tour kind of thing. Oh, shit. Okay, mm-hmm. for real. Mm-hmm. Grew up with a lot of dead in the house. And I love the dead now. When I was younger, I was like, fuck the Grateful Dead. I like punk. Yeah. And Pink Floyd. I do like Pink. I always loved animals. I thought that record was fucking See, I didn't like so Pink Floyd sick. until like I was 30. You know, I can understand it. But I love the Grateful Dead pretty young. I love that band a lot. They're a huge inspiration for me and just existing. I haven't really pulled anything, you know, from them, aside from their ethos maybe a little bit. But, like, band like Steely Dan, which my dad also a huge fan of Steely Dan, played the Royal <laughs> Scam growing up all the time. Um they really influenced me in the Super Weeks because Super Weeks was just like me and Chris to start. And our first record, Bad Year, the idea behind that record was like, okay, we're going to make like essentially a rock record or pop punk record, whatever you want to call it. But like 
if Steely Dan was making it so we'd get like the right drummer for each song and the right musicians on each song and there's like a whole crew of like 19 different people on that all actually stars even the ep too. prior yeah. yeah you got nate on there fucking shout mm-hmm. out to nate we had mm-hmm. a great uh night being bummed out in normal illinois in 2011 <laughs> um pete's on there too right oh yeah pete played some bass did some vocals zach schwartz did some vocals on it um just like a bunch of buddies and it's you know, I'm proud of that record. It was cool, but like, yeah, weirdly enough, that was, you know, I got that idea from Steely Dan. I was like, I'm gonna just do like <laughs> what they did because, like, you know, they could have Steve Gadd on a track playing drums, or they could have Bernard Purdy, or they could have somebody else, you know. And why would you really get anyone else when you can get Steve Gadd or Bernard Purdy? But like, I get it. Yeah, I I get it too. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm gonna move away from the Steely Dan conversation before I get into trouble. You know, anytime I talk shit about Steely Dan on the internet, Stereo Gum writes about it. Um, <laughs> so where were you going to shows in when you were like getting into punk? Oh, Hamilton Street Cafe. You know about it. Okay. Oh, that's right. Hamilton Street Cafe. Thank you for remembering that because mm-hmm. I went to see a hardcore show there with my friend Boring Chris in the year... 2002 i think in a Mm -hmm. oh man summer i cherish going there going to bloomfield ave cafe um is now bloomfield ave is that new brunswick oh that was montclair or bloomfield i think specifically but it was right next to montclair it's like i believe the company that threw shows there was jersey shows or jersey presents or something we're going back in my memory here but like those two venues and then, like, whatever VFW or whatever, um, what is the other thing? Just, like, all the... Knights of Columbus. Knights of Columbus, yeah. that's what mm-hmm. I was looking for. Just, like, you know, all that kind of shit. Like, going to punk shows there. And, man, uh, I saw World Inferno Friendship Society, like, a million times. They're, like, one of my favorite Fuck, bands yeah. ever on that have ever existed they were my favorite to go see growing up. I saw them in all sorts of VFWs and, uh, you know. You ever go to one of those New Year's shows? Don't they do a New Year's thing every? Yeah, I never made it to a hollow mass, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, Jack has since passed, which is a bummer. Mm. And I never will get to make it to one. But uh, I did see them in Philly play uh, at world cafe live and i got to waltz with their keyboard player during heart attack 64 and that was really cool um i don't know i love that shit i was a theater kid in high school and world inferno friendship society to me combined like theater and punk music uh which were the two things that i liked so how did you get into recording was that something that you just started doing because you were in bands in high school Mm-hmm. I played in uh, a ska band called Inspector Hector in New Jersey. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, we went to a recording engineer for our first, like, seven-song EP and paid a bunch of money to this guy. And we were like, this kind of sounds like cardboard. Like, I'm sure I can go to the store and, like, get some microphones and figure this out. Mm -hmm. So uh, Craig, who was the singer and saxophone player, 
he got like a digital eight track and I went out and got some microphones. I had the PA in the band mm-hmm. and we figured it out and we tracked our next record in my basement and that's kind of how I started recording like and Peter Martin who played bass in that band and is one of my best friends still played in a million bands with him um over time you know we would start just messing around in the basement yeah. and then eventually I got a computer and got GarageBand and that was that I got an interface and I was like all right uh, I can definitely do this. Mm-hmm. And we started recording all our practices and recording everything. And then, uh, you know, my mom was like, hey, uh, it's time to look at colleges. And I was like, no, mom, I don't want to go to college. I want to stay at home and play in my shitty ska band with my friends. I'm going to want to play ska music forever, mom. That's probably what I said exactly. And uh, she was like, okay, no, Um, let's go check out some colleges. What do you want to go to college for? I was like, mom, I don't want to go to college. She's like, how about music industry? You like recording? And I was like, oh, I do actually like recording. And uh, I went to like a summer program at Drexel Mm -hmm. and took, you know, did the recording summer program. And I was like, oh, my God, this is sick. I get to use a studio. all the time and to me it was like oh i could go to college and use the studio at college for free all the time meanwhile i'm not thinking about uh how much fucking money it costs to go to college (laughs) um so i eventually agreed to go to college got into drexel went for music industry uh you know it's an experience i wouldn't trade for the world because i made so many friends in philadelphia and i know so many people that have you know, influenced me in one way or another and changed my life. And I would not be the person you see sitting here today had my parents not pushed me to go do that. Um, where granted, I wouldn't necessarily tell you to go to school to mm-hmm. become a recording engineer because all I learned was like times are changing and every year something different is happening. And also at this point, like most people just record themselves the way that I was doing in high school because computers are ubiquitous now mm-hmm. and uh you know you can buy an interface and a microphone pretty damn good interface and pretty damn good microphone for under a thousand dollars and you can make banging sound and stuff and then you know ableton comes with all sorts of plugins and all the daws you can get for free like i don't know at this point there's no reason to go to recording school unless you uh are like me and you are obsessed with gear and just want to be like, oh, yeah, listen to how this tube compressor makes this guitar <laughs> sound when you run it through. Um, I mean, mostly actually drums is what I the example I should have used because, God, do I love drums through a Fairchild, but, you know, oh, that's neither yeah, don't here nor even there. Get, don't even get me started <laughs> over here. So now the, the first time I see... Your name really popping credits was fun by Algernon Codwellotter. You're playing trombone and, you know, you worked a lot with Joe Reinhardt over the years. And I remember mm-hmm. hearing Algernon and snowing and seeing Joe's name and being like, all right, this is this dude out here is doing something cool in Philly. So was was Joe someone that you were kind of seeing as 
you know, a model for what you wanted to do, play, record? Well, I met Joe at Drexel. Actually. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Joe was. <laughs> we like to joke that Joe was in his like seventh year or something <laughs> when I got there, uh, because I met Joe like literally. He would walk into class wearing sunglasses uh, and just like you know twenty minutes late and just like sit down and uh, you know would be like, "Who the fuck is this tall ass guy?" <laughs> and then I found out he had a band, Algernon Cadwallader, and. Um, at that point, a really close friend of mine, Jim, was showing me all sorts of bands like The Promise Ring and Captain mm-hmm. Jazz and, uh, you know, stuff like that. And I heard Algernon and I was like, oh, my God, I love this band. And then, you know, made friends with Joe, eventually tried out to become the drummer of Algernon. Didn't make it because they chose Tank instead, who's a much better drummer. But then, you know, over the years... uh. I eventually moved into Big Mama's Warehouse where Joe was living. Um, Pete Helmus was living there too and a bunch of other people in the Philly music world. And um, that's where Headroom Recording was for its first couple years. Mm -hmm. And that's where they recorded fun. Um, That's how I ended up playing trombone on that because I played trombone in college and uh, Joe was like, hey, you want to pop in here and throw some trombone on this? And like Cat Park was in the other room, you know, she plays clarinet. And they're like, Cat, you want to throw some clarinet on this? And just like, <laughs> you know, that's kind of just like living there was every day was just like, hey, you want to go do this? Hey, yeah. uh, you know, Peter and Greg taught me how to screen print and uh, Greg LeBold, mm-hmm. I should say, Peter Helmus, Greg LeBold taught me how to screen print and like, you know, from there, the warehouse was just like a huge jumping off point for like learning how to tour, learning how to be a DIY band, like meeting all these people. Everyone in the world would come stay, you know, on the couch. Male goat from Japan would be there and I'd be like, oh, my God, this oh. is so cool. Hajime is so cool. Yeah. Like, male goat's such a good band. And uh, Hajime you know, Johnny is so Forner, cool, by the way. We Hajime talked about him a couple so weeks cool. ago. <laughs> um, Makes me feel cool. I love male goat. Uh, you know, Johnny Forner, another band there from the UK. I met them prior to the warehouse, but they would come through all the time because they were huge Algernon fans and mm-hmm. Snowing fans. And is this in Fishtown? Um, this by the old it, uh, Reanimator? Technically, yes, it is. Well, I guess technically it's in Old Kensington, uh-huh. um, which is you know on the other side of Gerard from Northern Liberties, and not quite uh, north enough for Fishtown. But yes, you know for. Nobody needs to have that explanation. Um, it but... is kind of cool, though, because, like, you know, being being in Chicago, you know, I kind of know the lay of the land. I know, like, what things are. But, you know, I hear about this place in Philly, and it's like, well, the headroom and Big Mama's, it's like one big warehouse. It just feels like, I don't know, kind of this really cool version of the whole punk collective ideal and y'all just happen to be in a fucking warehouse i feel very grateful to have been a part of that um you know i feel like all my peers were super cool and i was like the real uncool guy that lived there but uh you know i think everyone has that kind of feeling about themselves when they're surrounded by people they admire yeah uh but it was such a cool part of my life and that's how You know, I met Dave through, well, actually I met Dave on tour in Chicago, but 
Dave grew up in Philly mm-hmm. and would go to all, every show ever on the planet. So when he was home from college in Philly, he would just bike down to the warehouse and we would hang out and play music and cook food and just like go to shows and just do all the shit. Um, so, you know, that's, I guess, full circle how we all ended up at the boot camp together. Yeah. Yeah. So how did the Super Week start? Uh, I played in a band called Dangerous Ponies mm-hmm. for pretty much my entire tenure of living at the warehouse. And prior to that, I guess I started it in college with Chrissy Tashin from Thin Lips, mm-hmm. uh, Chris, who's in the Super Weeks, Mikey, who's in Thin Lips and the Super Weeks. And um, the the idea behind the weeks was to do a song a week. There's another Evan who you may know that mm-hmm. uh, did a 52 weeks project. That's right. Evan Weiss, friend of the show. Mm-hmm. I say that clearly. Friend of the Which show. I didn't know about Into It Over It doing that project mm-hmm. at that time. And I was like, yeah, whatever, you know, I'll just do, uh, you know, a song a week. And I had, headroom recording studios you know literally two doors down from mm-hmm. my bedroom and dude evan's from uh, new jersey too i'm telling you it's, we fucking we, <laughs> we're all on the same page i mean i think about i'm just like yeah saves the day it was from new jersey like come on so how does the weeks become the super weeks so when we were doing the weeks project um we got like 26 weeks into it uh-huh. and then my friend Monica hit us up and was like, hey, Converse is doing this like pop-up studio. Uh, would you want to come up for a day and record you know, a couple songs? And then we like pitch it to companies and you know, try to get you on like commercials and shit. And we're like, okay, cool. So we put a band together, went up, recorded what eventually became The World is a Terrible Place and I Hate Myself and whatever the fuck the name of that record is called. <laughs> Um, good idea at the time. And yeah, oh, totally good idea at the time. Uh, the way that name came about was, uh, I had a friend Evie who lived in Connecticut with a couple of the world is folks and her band was coming through and I booked them like a last minute show. And I was like, okay, what can I do to like raise them money for this show? Cause it's not going to be a good show. Like I have five days to get it together and make it happen. So I put together a band, which was kind of the first iteration of the week, Super Weeks live band, Mm -hmm. um, and printed a t-shirt that my friend Austin, who played in the Super Weeks and the Weeks designed that said, the world is a terrible place and I hate myself and want to die or whatever Uh it said, and, you know, sold them at the show and gave them all the money from the shirts as like a nod, you know, they're like, ha, your hometown, ha, your friends with that band, like here's some money so you can go to your next show. Sorry, this was kind of a bust. Um, but you know, I thought the name was funny, so we used it for that EP. And anyway, to get to whatever the point of this story was, um You put out an EP. We put out an EP with Lamo Records. I was working with Eric and Emily at a place called Capagiro in West Philly, a gelato shop. Incredible gelato. One best in the world um, on National Geographic. It was incredible. I also worked with a girl named Alexa Fuentes there, who at the time was the Front Bottoms manager, mm. um, which is the Front Bottoms also went to college with 
Uh, yeah, they're from one of my best scene, friends, right? Bobby Mack. And like, I kind of knew all these people and it was just mm-hmm. like weird little world meeting Eric and Emily in that time. And, uh, you know, I sent them the record and they're like, they had just put out that modern baseball record and we're working on a couple other releases and we're like, yeah, we'd love to put this out. And I was like, cool. And then eventually I moved in with Eric and Ian and like, you know, they became, you know, Eric and Emily and Ian and everyone in that whole world became really close friends of mine. And, uh, eventually we started touring and to get to the point, actually this time while we were on tour, um, I think it was a DIY tour at this point. No, it was we were on tour with Reggie in the full effect because <laughs> the weeks released our first full-length album. Uh Die. Bad Wait, Year. No, bad Year. <laughs> bad Year. Our first the first full-length album we released, Bad Year. Uh came out like five days into being on tour with brand new, playing like four thousand cap venues. Oh my god. Which was like insane and sick. And having a booking agent to put us on silly shows like that was amazing. But during that time period, we got a cease and desist from The Weeks, W-E-E-K-S. And they asked us to change our name. And we were like, no. And they're like, are you seriously going to make us bring you to court over this? And we were like, no, we'll change it. It's fine. Um, And we changed it to The Super Weeks because super drag, super chunk, just like all the super bands this is mm-hmm. pretty super unison just like i mean super unison Dude, is a thing in music unison. but but anyway Either way i love that it, band it was like a little tip of the hat to mm-hmm. that kind of stuff and that's why we changed our band name to the super weeks and that's how we ended up you know i guess didn't really do we were not really active we were active for a lot shorter than we were not active i i realized because you know, that tour was 2015. We mm-hmm. put out that record, Bad Year, 2015. Um, started working on recording our second album, Better Heavens, in mm-hmm. 2015. Uh, you know, did some touring, kept working on the album. And a week before we got that album mastered, my brother passed away. Mm. who was playing bass in the Super Weeks. He, I guess, had always been in the live band. He played guitar on The World Is mm-hmm. uh, EP. And, you know, he unfortunately passed away like a week before we got that record mastered. Ryan Schwab mastered the record for us. Uh, you know, I met him at Drexel. He finally just left Drexel the other day, but uh, I'm so fucking proud of that dude. Anyway, Ryan mastered the record. You know, we finished it, and... We tried to keep it going. Um, we wrote all the songs for Teenage Blob, which was the, you know, the EP from the EP that we released a video game with Team Laserbeam, mm-hmm. um, our friends from South Africa, and you know, we Mike Bell joined the band and started playing bass, and we did like a tour with No Thank You. Modern Baseball had asked us to go on tour with them in Europe, and we got to do that tour, which, uh, you know, Corey funded because I was left $3,000, I guess, from Corey after he passed, and that's what Mm. we bought our plane tickets with to go to Europe. So thank you, Corey, for allowing us to, you know, have that experience. And, um, yeah, you know, grief is a really difficult thing. 
And, you know, after those tours and putting out Better Heavens, which, you know, was named after mm-hmm. an experience Corey and I had, and well, the band had in Boston with just this real wild person that. named yeah. Star. Yeah, tell me about um, that. So I think she was... You know, she might have been living on the streets at the time. I'm not exactly sure what Star's vibe was, but um, she was like a really interesting, introspective person who we met, you know, on the street randomly. And she came to our show and um, I forget the exact quote. It's, you know, obviously it's been like seven or eight years at this point since I had this conversation. And she said something like, you know, you're we are all going to build a better heavens for everyone else and we are all stars and like mm. just you know she you know, she had like some hippie vibes going on um but it was really an intense experience meeting this person for this one day and like mm-hmm. uh you know Corey really was just in awe of this person and She and him talked like all night and, you know, he always said before the album came out, he was going to do the album art and the album art is this picture he likes to call a Mona Lisa. Hmm. Um, and it was something that I would screen print all the time. I always thought it was really cool. I really loved the art. It's unbelievable art. Apparently, when he was 13, he, like, traced a Picasso painting or some I, shit. I was going to say, like, I was like, man, that looks like a Picasso sketch. But, that's how it happened. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I like to think that, um, I don't know, it reminds me of him. I got a tattoo of it on my arm. We always talked about getting tattoos of it. Uh, and I was like, okay, you did the album art. Like, this is what we're going to use is the album art. Just that on the inside is a painting he made for my mom, which has like hearts and stuff. It was like her, he died on May 27th and you know, mother's day is like a week before that. And the, that art is from a painting he made her for mother's day. He was really into painting at that moment in time, Mm -hmm. I guess. But, um, like all the provide art, um, I use here actually, let me go grab it. I guess you can't see it, but, Never mind. I don't know where it went, but uh, is it in here? I don't know where it went. Uh, it's okay. I have, I think it's called Galaxy Black, but Corey was a huge fan of like space and mm-hmm. like there's a painting downstairs of a clock, t- a bleeding clock tower in space. Uh, that he drew and I just thought like galaxy black or whatever the Mm -hmm. thing was. I was like, that's, I mean, it was the color he used for the, the painting of Mona Lisa. And that's what I wrote all the text in. And then when I did the lattice art for the provide album, uh, I used galaxy black again. Um, I don't know. I like, reminds me of him. I I love putting all of that intentionality into um commemorating i mean fucking chloe is is on every piece of art for this show you know still so i know Mm -hmm. i know it's obviously different when it's your brother but i do remember being in the cohort with you and and seeing 
the tattoo and saying that I really liked it. And you told me that story, which I guess I'd heard and, you know, I knew, but, um, I mean, how many, how many years was it between you two? He's Six. 22. Yeah. He was 22 and he died. Uh, I was 28. Now I'm 35. Yeah. So it's going to be eight years this year. But, um, you know, another wild thing that happened was at his wake, which, by the way, like all of Philadelphia came out to his wake and it was like fucking crazy. We packed out an entire church and like, wow. you know, there were people on the balcony and it was yeah. just like this really beautiful, like heartfelt thing. Like the music scene really came out and um, it was a really, really beautiful experience. It made my mother really happy to see how loved he was. And uh, Greg LeBold actually drew in chalk on, like, a chalkboard there. Like, uh, I think it said, like, big heart, much love or something. And it was, like, this heart with wings. And my mom eventually got a tattoo because Corey had a million tattoos and got a tattoo of that for him. And Nick Holdorf in Cheer Up wrote a song called Big Hugs for him, um, which I love a lot. You know, Nick's been one of my best friends since I was in high school and – you know, that he lived with Corey uh, shortly before Corey's passing. And mm-hmm. I don't know, they were close. And just, you know, the outpouring of love was really nice. And yeah, uh, yeah I forgot where I was going with that story again. But uh, I guess what I will say is like, you know, I think about him all the time. Grief is a really difficult thing to deal with. And the Super Weeks kind of stopped because we were all dealing with grief like i lost my little brother but Corey had played in the i mean everyone in the band knew Corey since he was at least 13 Mm -hmm. and he'd been playing and touring with the band since he was 18 and uh he was everyone's little brother you know so it was like just really hard nobody knew how to navigate this grief and we kind of just like stopped doing everything and then the pandemic happened and we did start recording a new album we wrote an album during the pandemic. Oh, that's what I was going to say. So at Corey's Wake, his best friend growing up is, uh, one of his best friends growing up was this dude, Oliver. And Oliver now actually plays in Super Weeks, funny enough. But uh-huh. this is how it happened is, you know, he showed up to the wake and he was like, you remember me? And I was like, of course I remember you, dude. Because Oliver has the same birthday as my brother, mm-hmm. uh, October 30th, 1993. They were born on the same day, and they were, like, best friends. Wow. For years. Yeah. And Oliver, you know, they got into some drugs and fucked up shit in high school, and Oliver went, uh, you know, got sent to, like, a boarding school in Maine, and Corey stayed home and, like, fucked off with his friends and joined a touring band and whatever. So, like, to me, Oliver was, like, the version of Corey that had, like, got his had to have gotten his shit together. Uh-huh. And um, as fate would have it, you know, we kept in touch and he was going to move down to New York and live with his uncle. And then he got to New York and his uncle was like, ah, you can't live here. And at as that happened, like a room opened up in my house in Philly and Oliver moved into the room in Philly and lived down here and then, you know, has been here since. And we went through the pandemic together and he... 
you know, wrote the newest Super Weeks album with me, Chris, and Jarrett, who mm-hmm. also lives in this house. Jarrett's the drummer of the band Pears. Um, if any of you have listened to punk rock and fat records and whatever, <laughs> uh, incredible drummer. That album's not done. We're working on it. It's going to come out soon. But, you know, again, super full circle. Like, I'm so, like, grateful to have Oliver in my life. He's such an incredible person. He was the one who, you know, uh, showed me Volvos because my van <laughs> died in 2008. And Oliver was like, yo, you should just get a Volvo because he drives his his white Volvo station wagon has over 400,000 miles on it. Fucking can't and, believe um, I blew it with that car. Oh, Got totaled in the high school parking lot backing out. <sighs> Fucking, I could still be driving it. Evan, I gotta say, I'm, I'm sitting here in Valparaiso, Indiana in 2022, and I'm listening to you talk about all of your fucking life. And I'm just like, <laughs> this guy has been my big brother for ever. And I'm older than you, but <laughs> there's a reason why... There's a reason why Corey's other half found his way back to you. Is you're a person that has a magnetism and you have the just persuasive nature to where I didn't you didn't even have to tell me. Dave told me to do the boot camp, but he said you told him to do it, so I knew it was a good idea. And then we're sitting in this in this boot camp and you're like oh you got to buy this advanced audio cf12 sc microphone that's on reverb while we're building a you know our <laughs> version of reverb with uh-huh. uh react and python flask api back end hire us better yet podcast at <laughs> gmail.com for all web development needs um you can you convinced me to buy this fucking microphone that I had no business buying, and you you're just like no you need this, and I was like all right I think you do. I am very persuasive. I don't want to I, I don't want to feel like I pushed you to do it or peddled it to you. I'm just like, you know, you were asking. You're like ah, I think I just need like a good vocal mic, and I was like let me tell you, I have this vocal mic. Because, you know, we're musicians. We don't have a ton of money. Like, you know, you go on the internet and somebody's like, yo, this company, Advanced Audio, it's legit. And I'm like, all right, I'll try it. So I ordered this microphone, this CM12SE, and it sounds incredible. It's so good. It's what we use on vocals, almost everyone in our studio, um, you know, you got it for what, like 500 bucks, 550 something like that? I paid a little bit more than that, but six hundred something like, like that. Eight, it was maybe like seven eight hundred. No, yeah, it was know. not. I, it I, was I, not. I would have. I told you to get it probably because it was like five hundred and fifty dollars. Honestly, I should look back at that receipt because I still have a little bit of regret. But maybe I'm thinking it was more money than it was. I think it was because let me tell you. Well, I mean, no, I wouldn't have told you to look. I'm a cheap motherfucker. I would not have told you to buy something <laughs> that's like an insane amount of money if it was like five six hundred dollars i would have absolutely told you to buy it however i'm gonna guess it was six hundred and sixteen dollars including shipping yeah i think you're probably right here and you know i have to say the power of that microphone 
because you put out this first single from the Provide For Me record. I got inspired, so I played the number one song in America, my field recording kit, straight into this microphone, straight into that advanced audio, and you, you listened. You said it sounded pretty damn good. That was one sounded live pretty take. damn good. Yeah. I fucking love that microphone. It's a great microphone. I love it for acoustic guitar. I love it for vocals. can do all sorts of other stuff, but I really just like it for those two things because I have, you know, probably 25 microphones and I can, you know, really just uh, use all... I don't know. <laughs> I love to fuck around, so... So you started working on this Provide For Me record 2017. Was uh, 2018, maybe? 2018? Okay. It happened... I recorded the drums right before... So to go back to Big Mama's Warehouse, um, Joe and Kyle moved Headroom over to the Viking Mill, which is was another huge warehouse building in philadelphia um they built out their recording studio that's where the headroom as we have known it for many many years now since i think 2014 was they recently moved out this past year and now combined with mount slippery which is dr dog's studio Mm. and it's an awesome fucking space um go record with them but also come to jamtown record with us but anyway um we took over the space headroom they left their board they left their tape machine for lewis uh who plays in a band called ape he you know him chris and i got together and you know built this studio out uh which was big mama's recording and we eventually finally built a control room for the studio in 2018 uh or 2019 i don't remember but i remember that we did the drums, I think in 2018, in April of 2018, before we started building the control room. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, when there was no control room, the, you, you recorded in the same room as you mixed and whatever. And uh, my good friend, David Settle, who plays in the band Second Grade and big heat and like a million freaking other bands in philly and tallahassee and i've known him from touring for a million years um psychic flowers is his one of his other oh god they're so fun he writes just the most banging power pop jams Fuck but yeah. david had just moved up to philly and i was like yo you want to come uh you know help me record these drums for this record to tape and because he wanted to record a band at the studio, I guess, while, you know, shortly after he moved up there and I showed him how to use it. He helped me record it. And, you know, there are the drums for the album. And, uh, you know, then slowly I recorded the rhythm guitars and the bass to tape and eventually bounced it off of tape and, uh, spent four more years making it into a record. (laughs) Now is that four years of just like, plugging away in between other stuff or were you forgetting about it for extended periods of time and so the last song on the record actually ahagao um is kind of about the recording process because i you know when you're like afraid to do something (laughs) or like i you know for many years like i'm a 
loud motherfucker. I'm a confident person, you know, or at least I appear that way. Like when I talk to people, because Mm -hmm. I'm, I speak in absolutes. I am, you know, I'm like, this is fucking how it is. And I'm excitable and, you know, all that shit. Um, but yeah, when it came to like, after my brother died, like trying to push my own music, like trying to make my own full length record and like bet on myself, I was like, no, you know, I'll just like, I'm going to, I'll bet on Katie and no thank you. And I'll bet on Nick and cheer up and like, mm-hmm. I'll focus on other projects and like, you know, I'll join slow mass and tour with them and like do all sorts of other stuff. And just like, yeah, I played in their band live sometimes, but like, yeah, you know, like I would just fill in for everyone and play in everyone else's band and Mike Bell in the movies and like all this other stuff. And I wasn't, you know, investing in myself. I wasn't like, you know, deep down I was like, I don't know if it's good enough. I don't know if I can do it. Like, you know, the super weeks we lost our booking agent. He literally just stopped talking to us. Mm. Um, you know, we didn't, nobody cared about our band. Nobody cares about the super weeks. Nobody cares about any of that kind of stuff, uh, which is fine. But, you know, we just, I just was like, you know, I'm just not gonna, it's not important. I won't focus on it. So like I would dabble and every once in a while, like, I have a really good friend, Andrew Wilson. Andrew, you know, he would be like, Evan, this is the record Philadelphia needs. You need to make this record, Evan. This is what it needs. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, he played, you know, he plays in the Super Weeks. He was our guitar player on Better Heavens after Corey died. He played the bass on No Sorrow, uh, which is the single on the Modern Baseball Thin Lips split. Um, Andrew's an incredible musician. He played in the obsessives for a while. Mm-hmm. Now he works out of hidden fortress in Philadelphia. Um, I learned more about recording from him than Drexel recording. Like he's incredible. He's like, I think like the best, you know, unfortunately the best kept secret Philadelphia has, because I think that there's not a better recording engineer on the planet than this man. And, um, this Andrew Wilson, you're saying. Mm-hmm. Potential right. audio. He builds pedals. Uh, used to go by Camel Tone. It's the best. You know, he's he's the best. But he changed he, the name from Camel Tone? Yeah, you know. Uh, I don't know, know about that. I mean, in the PC world that we live in these days, he was like, yeah, I don't know. I oh, just don't. yeah, but, no. I, uh, but either way. These Hollywood elites. Andrew's the best he really pushed me to keep going with it. So every once in a while I'd open it back up. I'd be like, all right, I got to write some lyrics to this. Like cheer up went on a tour once and Oliver, uh, we stayed at his cousin Paul's house. Now his cousin Paul's like 84 years old. (laughs) He was one of the original, uh, you know, employees of Fender. Uh Um, he was there when, one of my favorite amps of all time, the Fender 400 was invented. He has Fender 400 number one at his house. Oh my and God. And I got to play it with the Fender Telecaster Deluxe number one. What? The first one to ever come off the production line with the original Tim Shaw humbuckers in it. Um, and that was there. And he had a studio in his house. So I kind of just, you know, went into a studio and recorded more rhythm guitar. Oh, yeah. Over the record on our day off because. You know, why wouldn't I get a chance to use uh, Telecaster Deluxe number one on a record? 
Um, so I did, and that made the record and is some of the grittier guitar tones, like the intro for, uh, why am I blanking on the name of the, the joy of being, the joys of being human, like that's yeah. Telecaster number one through a, like a Mesa sick. Boogie 50 caliber or something. But, um, so yeah, like literally I recorded the record all over the place. Um, I guess the pandemic really was what allowed me to finish it because, you know, we were stuck inside the house all day. I'm just like, all right, like, I guess I might as well just work on this. Like, I have all the fucking time in the world. I can, yeah, I like, can, like binge. Like, my tone for three hours. Chris and I, you know, because also right before, um, right before the pandemic, we had to leave Big Mama's. Um, mm. And Chris and I had no studio. So we were like, well, fuck. Um, let's build an ISO box in the basement to record amps because we had all our gear at our house. So like him and I just like decked out our rooms and recorded amps. And that's when we were doing the super week, super weekly supercast and recording guitars and stuff for that. Um, we, we kept busy, Yeah. but you know, between, uh, watching an entire 12 episode season of whatever anime I felt like watching that day, and uh, eating whatever fucked up meals like Moco Loco. Jason Clackley told me about Moco Locos. I gained fucking 20 pounds in the first week of the <laughs> first month of the pandemic because Oliver's cooking like French Korean fusion food and I'm just eating Moco Locos for breakfast every single day. Oh my God. And That's crazy because all I ate was Adderall. <laughs> <laughs> I I wonder I wonder if I ate any Adderall oh during that time God. period. I would have gotten well I probably shout out to Miranda Reiner who transcribed me in an interview setting during <laughs> that time. Um Evan, I think it's fucking so cool. It, this is one of those records too that like, you know, it's no matter someone's pedigree when someone sends you their music directly and you hear it and it's really good, you need to say, yo, this is really, really good. <laughs> and I'm you. sure that you had so many fucking... Because you're Nick Lowe over there at Lamo Records. You're producing everybody's I love sessions. my label. I would say... I would say Ian's more Nick Lowe, considering when at the Lamo 10 year anniversary we covered I Love My Label and Ian sang it and Chris and I played bass and guitar and Eric played the drums. It was really funny. Uh, you guys can watch it. I believe Sonny from Hate Five Six recorded that show. Mm-hmm. And we did that right after the Thin Lips set because Chris and I were filling in for Thin Lips for that show. And, uh, that we actually did it after the Super Weeks performance, but that was a nightmare. We weren't, we didn't know what we were doing. We couldn't find Eric, so we made Jarrett come up on stage and play it. But to my point, Ian was the vocalist and killed it. Ian's also, I don't know if you a ever genius? watched any uh, of modern baseball covering um, when we were young by the Killers, but mm. Ian would sing lead on it. And Ian has the fucking most killer voice ever. Like legitimate, incredible, and he record and he produced your vocals. Was it like he having, did? In fact, having Ian there was that just too tough to track your own vocals and be objective, or did you want? Him well, to Ian had the metal you? shop. He just got a you know a 
a U67, which is, you know, one of the holy grail microphones. And he's one of my best friends in the world. I'll listen to any kind of, you know, advice he gives me when I'm doing vocals. Um, so, you know, we lived together for a while. I was like, Ian, you know, you, you got time. Like, you want to sit down with these and hear what I'm working on? And a lot of, yeah, a lot of how this record came together was thanks to him. I mean, fire away, Ian. That was a re- Ian recording. Uh, Ian recorded yeah. the vocals to Fire Away for sure. That's definitely one I know that made the record. Um, but, you know, he directed me and produced me and told me where to go and what to do. And I think he did a pretty good job. So, and, and when we talked, you just said, I'm just putting, they're just putting this record out. That you guys mm-hmm. just kind of announced it on Monday and put it out on Wednesday, I believe. Mm-hmm. That was it. We talked about like what you were doing coding wise, but I mean, that's that inspired me. It really did. I don't know if that was any of your directive at all, um, but yeah, just the fact that you just fucking put it out was just really like cool and punk. I don't know. That was kind of like Emily and Eric's vibe was like we just put it out like you you don't have any other records out you nobody knows who you, you know your solo project is like what if we just dropped it like i don't have a band to tour on it with i mean i could you know assemble any number of people but there's so much programming on the record that i'm just like man i don't even want to think about how to do this live like i'll think about it one day uh-huh. but um yeah and eric and emily were like yeah if you're not playing live like you might as well just just drop it and i was like sounds sick that's awesome and then we did and i was like cool now it's out in the world and you can go listen to it on all sorts of streaming services and buy it on Bandcamp and do whatever you want with it um there's gonna be more music videos happening i will say what it did inspire me to do is um in 2018 Mm. uh no in 2019 i started recording the second provide album before i had even finished the first one and over the pandemic i wrote the third one and then i cut myself off from writing songs in 2021 i was like i'm not allowed to do this anymore uh i write too many songs i don't finish any of my projects and i'm not allowing myself to just write the songs until this is probably sounds completely insane uh, but I'm not allowing myself to write any more songs <laughs> until I finish those three albums because having one album that's like mostly recorded and then another album that's written but not recorded is too much too much backup. Like that's why yeah. we did the Super Week, Super Weekly, Supercast and got all the rest of the A Song A Week songs finished that had been looming over us since literally 2013. Uh-huh. Um you know, I'm just, I'm clearing house. Like, I'm not allowed to write any more songs until I clear the house of the songs that I already wrote. You know, I I like to be silly with the whole thing. But when I talk about, you know, coming in and playing that My Field Recording Kit song, all one minute and 45 seconds, I had that song written for a couple years. And mm-hmm. I, you know was inspired by the way that you put your music out. I was inspired by the way James put his music out. And I was inspired by the fact that you fucking talked me into buying a really good microphone (laughs) and gave me the capability to do 
the Folksway thing, and I could mm-hmm. just play a song live, and it's silly, but shit, I feel like I got to share a part of myself, and I've been watching you share so much of yourself um, just with this music, and yeah, dude, I fucking can't wait to actually hug you. Is where <laughs> <One> I'm at. <laughs> I can't happen. wait to. I can't wait for you, me, and Dave to just like huddle around with our full time jobs and our, you know, <laughs> benefits and insurance. Well, Dave got one. Dave got one. So we got to catch up. I mean, you know, I'm gonna keep trying. I mean, I'm gonna also keep playing music and see wherever anything takes me because you know. It's really hard for me to just give that all up. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think being 35 and, like, having some semblance of a savings account would be nice. So, you know, let's try to get a real job. Yeah, yeah. I uh, just um, I want to thank you for convincing me that I could do it. And You can. You're fucking way better at it than me. And Anybody look, you're fucking can. recording songs, you're putting it all out. Anyone could do anything. Just fucking do it, dude. When I moved into the warehouse, everyone, you know, I like just started jamming with people in my room. I would walk out of my room. I'd be like, yo, what the fuck? I live with like the most talented musicians in all of Philadelphia and all of you guys are just like not jamming all the time. Are you fucking nuts? Like, <laughs> let's go jam in my room. And that's essentially how the week started was let's go jam. I made up a song. Let's go record it. Let's jam it. Let's record it. That's how the week started. And uh, a lot of the people at the warehouse were like, you breathe new life into the warehouse because of your constant jamming and your constant, like, anybody can do this. Yeah. So, yeah, Tim, you're right. Anybody can fucking do it. Just fucking do it. I'm going to get a job. You're going to get a job. You're going to release an album. I'm going to release an album. It's going to happen. Dude, thanks mm-hmm. for thanks for coming by. Thanks for having me. Thanks, fella.